Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, October 24th, 2017, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 47 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, what's good, homie? How you been? Been all right. Oh man, fun week. I mean, we had that uh, we had that science fair um, that I think I mentioned last time we streamed last week, and then ended this week off with a uh, with an astronomy thing. Just you know, just a simple astronomy event, going out, you know, doing the things, showing people the stars. Uh, so that was fun, and uh, and and yeah, and then uh, got a day off. Uh, no way! I know I am as surprised as anyone, but it was it was really nice to have a little bit of time to relax. Um, started getting to work on the past podcast bit, so even though I've been a little bit behind, we're going to have the uh, we're going to have the past episodes of Two Nerds in a Pod up for your listening pleasure in all the usual places. Yeah, so you can find those on uh, on iTunes. And of course, you know, sometimes we show the old videos here on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod. For those of you who are not here to see it live, but want to actually see the full video, those clips, we play them sometimes. So yeah, you can catch oh, those. Man. Have, have we done a vodcast recently? We haven't we done do one that. in a little it, while, man. We should Maybe we should do that again. Uh, there's mixed feelings among the Twitch community on vodcasts. Yeah? And, uh, and yeah, my, my thing isn't doing it for growth as much as it is for people who are already our fans or our friends or whatever to see what they have missed because they can't be here at this time, whether it be because they're in Australia uh, or just because they have a, a bad case of explosive diarrhea while we're streaming. You never know why people miss the podcast, but there's plenty, never of, do. plenty of legitimate reasons other than uh, doing something more fun because there's nothing more fun. Uh, but Mac, what else, man? What else has been happening? Anything else you want to share or uh, not to put you on the spot? I mean... Life isn't all fun and games. We don't. We don't. We only want to hear the highs here on social media. The really awesome stuff that's happened. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about stuff I've been doing. If you want to hear some of that, so I, I had a couple shows last week. Uh, one of the shows was one of. It looked like it was going to be one of the better shows that I've done in a while. It was at this pub, little restaurant, um, and I walk in and I had never been to this place before, and it is packed. Like a couple hundred people, which for that type of show doesn't traditionally happen unless it's promoted really, really well. Uh, and this one was. Usually only comedy club shows are like that or theater shows or something. So um, turns out that the whole audience was there to see just one comic who was on the bill and kind of talked through everybody else's set uh, and was like maybe even borderline disrespectful. So as the host... My job is to keep everybody hyped, keep everybody pumped. So I did my best job. Did okay. Uh, t- comes time for the headliner to get up, and he is nowhere to be found. I have no idea where this guy is. So um, I, I go over to one of the other comics um, while I'm off stage since I'm hosting, and I was like, does anyone know where this guy is? Because he's about to go up. And they're like, we're going to go find him. We think he's in the back. Uh, so the, la- the comic who's before him finishes their set. I go up. I do like... 15 minutes um and i've already done plenty of time that night i've already done plenty of jokes that night so i did 15 more minutes uh and then i think he's in the room because somebody flashes a light at me 
which means get off stage, introduce him, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, are you guys ready for your headliner? The man who you're here to see. And I get everybody excited. And, uh, and then I say the person's name and the DJ who's right behind me, because they had a DJ at the show, starts playing music. Uh, and, uh, and it was just to put in, in perspective to paint the picture. It was this song called lean back. I don't know if, if y'all listeners have heard it, but it's, it's a good old song. Um, and, uh, and I introduced the headliner and he's not in the room. <laughs> so everybody is clapping and excited and I'm just standing there like he's, he's not here. And so I just started dancing, Mac. I had to do <laughs> I had to do what I had to do, man. Did the Carlton busted out a little bit of sea walk. You, you probably don't know about the sea walk. You could Google I it. I do later. know you about, do know the, about the crib walk. Okay. So I did a little bit of that, dusted my shoes off, did a little crib walk. Uh, and then I just kind of stood there angrily because after I did all that, he still wasn't there. And then he sees me dancing on stage. He comes in the room and he's in the back of the room. And so he starts dancing like, oh, it's a party in here. And I'm like, no, get up on the stage. It's time for you to get up here and do your set. And so he finally runs up on the stage and I just shook his hand and walked off stage. But man, it was an experience. Uh, Mac, on that note, I say we do what we do best and hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Once again, welcome to Two Nerds in a Pod, everybody. Episode number 47, Nerdiest Gaming Podcast in the Galaxy. Off the top, we have a little bit of sad news in the gaming world. This is on GameSpot.com. Mac, I think you might already know what story I'm about to share. Uh, This is about Robert Guillaume, who voiced Dr. Eli Vance in Half-Life 2, has passed away after complications from prostate cancer. He was 89. Eli Vance is the father of resistance fighter... Uh, I can't pronounce this name, Alex Vance, I believe that's how it's pronounced, it's spelled differently, who worked alongside Gordon Freeman in the fight against the Combine. Guillaume is is perhaps best known for playing the lead roles in Soap and Benson. Additionally, he voiced the wise baboon Rafiki in The Lion King, earning a Grammy Award. He also starred in the TV TV show Sports Night as a producer. He suffered a stroke in 1999 but was able to return to working. He appeared in guest roles on shows like Eight Simple Rules and CSI. Uh, he also appeared in Tim Burton's Big Fish in 2003. Uh, let, let's talk about Half-Life memories. You know what I mean? Obviously, rest in peace. Uh, great, great mm-hmm. voice actor. Very influential. Uh, any memories of Half-Life? Like, where were you at in your life when you were playing it? You were in high school. Uh, like, what were you going through? And uh, and what like what role did this game play? Because it's a pretty influential game for me. Mm-hmm. So... For me, I didn't get uh, I didn't get into Half Life until fairly recently, so it doesn't hold a lot of uh, a, a lot of past past uh, for me. But okay, probably ten years ago or so, um, I at that point in time in about two thousand seven or so uh, was able to pick up uh, Half Life for the original Xbox. Um, you know, at 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 a GameStop or something like that. Uh, for reasonably cheap and played through it, but or was it Half Life Two? No, I think it was Half Life Two episode Half Life Two, episode one. I think for the original Xbox. Yeah, because it had to have been because the original Half Life didn't have Eli Vance and it. it was Half Life Two that first introduced the character. Well, I mean, strictly speaking, Doctor Eli Vance was 
supposedly a member of the Black Mesa crew, so the character was there, but uh, but I don't think it was the same voice actor, and it certainly didn't have the same sort of uh, sort of stuff. So I guess we're talking 2007, but uh, but yeah, that's about where uh, where I was basically introduced to the Half-Life series. Um, as you know, Mr. Nice Guy, I've never been the biggest fan of first-person shooters. Well documented in these, these yes. podcasts. Yep. Um, however, uh, you know, Half-Life 2 didn't make me want to play a lot of uh, first-person shooters, but it certainly got me over my bias of the uh, of the genre. So I did play through all of the currently available Half-Life games. Um precisely because Half-Life 2 was so enjoyable to play it didn't feel like a first person shooter it felt like it felt like an adventure game yeah i you know? agree yeah so uh so i and and you know you can't have that sort of feeling of adventure without good quality characters and good quality storylines so i feel like even though i can't say um, that this character, this a- actor, his work changed my opinion on uh, on first-person shooters, the genre. It certainly, uh, certainly, performances like his helped me to, you know, help me to enjoy a series that I otherwise wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have given the time of day. If that makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. That's that's a valid valid point, man. Now I played it first played it on the orange box got the xbox 360 christmas 2010 i was a little bit late to the party and it changed my vision of first person shooters as well not that i wasn't already a fan but i typically thought of a first person shooter as a multiplayer experience right now granted call of duty uh battlefield those games they all have single player games or single player modes i should say with varying degrees of success um, GoldenEye 7, 007, back in the day, actually had a really, really solid single player for its time. But nowadays, when I'm playing a first-person shooter, it's usually, all right, I'm going to play through this this single-player mode to get the achievements, and then I'm going to hop on the multiplayer. And obviously, Half-Life not having a multiplayer mode was the exact opposite, um, made by one of the best companies in the business in Valve. Um, and, and just an experience, you know what I mean? Um, at a time when, when graphics were not what they are today, um, but having a solid storyline, solid voice actors, um, like a, a, a mid-level, like a mix between open world and, and on rails, because you weren't quite exploring, you know, but you also weren't forced to go a certain direction. Does that make sense? At least in my mm-hmm. opinion with Half-Life. So, um, I mean, it, it's just such a fantastic game, and, uh, and I hope they make a third one and rest in peace to this voice actor. Uh, and Mac, I say we move on from there, unless you have more you want to say about Half-Life. No, let's carry on. Fantastic. So, let's talk about Pokemon for a little bit. Um, I'm not a huge Pokemon guy. Mac, I know you at one point were. Um, I, I don't know if you still are, but this might be kind of exciting for you to hear. This is on GameRant.com. It says, when a video game series has run for as long as Pokemon has, there will inevitably be some repetition and overlap. One of the more understated strengths of the Nintendo-exclusive franchise has been keeping the repetitions under the guise of nostalgia, only recycling ideas or features when they can be tied to something that fans have a soft spot for. Now there's confirmation that Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are bringing back one of the most beloved organizations the Pokemon series has ever seen in the legendary Team Rocket. I don't know if this is really that exciting, um, but I I thought I'd read some of the story anyway. 
The news was confirmed early this morning when the new Japanese download cards for Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon were released. The cards show members of the team of Team Rocket, quite prominently identified by their black newsboy caps that make up part of the villainous group's uniform. Another image on the card suggests that they will play a major role in Pokemon Sun and Moon Ultra, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon story as well, as the front of Lucimine's mansion has been adorned with a large rainbow-colored R that could only signify the return of Pokemon's most iconic antagonist. Uh, Mac, did you watch the original Pokemon cartoons? I did, not all of them, but I think I think I got through basically most of the first area, you know, until he, he fights the Elite Four. I kind of watched through the cartoons that corresponded with the first game, but didn't go much farther than that. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon, uh, Team Rocket, pretty relevant in those old cartoons. Uh, always did the same thing, though. They always came with Meowth, and they always tried to steal other people's Pokemon. I don't know how big a role they're going to have in this game, and I don't really, I don't have a working 3DS anymore, so I'm not going to play it. Uh, are you still into Pokemon? You don't or? have a working 3DS anymore? No, man. What happened so to I, your 3DS? My kids broke it, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to tell you the story off stream. It was our, To be fair, it was already kind of uh, on its last leg, and mm -hmm. then they finished the job, if that makes sense. You're not playing Pokemon anymore, which I don't really play Pokemon, so that was okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, moving on to our next news story, we've got a few, a few good ones today. Let's see. What shall we do next? Let's talk about the... Let's talk about the games that came out this week. We'll kind of switch gears. We don't always do this, but this was a solid week uh, for games that are released or are releasing later this week. Um, we got Destiny 2 for PC coming out October 24th, which is today. Now, I heard there was a trailer that showed the, the gameplay of Destiny 2 on PC and made fun of the frame rate of the console versions. Now, Mac, as a guy who is PC Master Race, and I've always kind of wondered this about you, what is your reason for being PC Master Race? Because here's, here's my logic and my thinking. Most of the people who are really like hardcore PC personal computer fanboys are so because of graphics, right? Because they're video files. They want to see things on the 4K screen, which I guess you can now do with consoles, um, but they want to see the best frame rate possible, and that's their reasoning. But as a guy who's really retro, you play retro games, what's your reason for being a PC Master Race guy? Um, honestly, it's because I've already shelled out the money for a solidly functioning, solidly working PC. So it's what so, we call in political science, cognitive dissonance. Are you familiar with that term? I am familiar with the term from psychology. From political science. Psychology. Thank you. But no, it's uh, I'm PC Master Race because I don't want to spend an extra 300 plus dollars on a console when I can basically play the games on my computer. Okay. It really doesn't have that much. I mean, uh, I don't know what my displays are, but I've got two screens. Uh, one's like 1600 by 9 or 1600 by... 1200 or, or something it's one of those common resolutions is my main screen okay and then i've got a side screen that's uh you know that's a little bit smaller than my main screen that's 1080p okay so okay. 4k i am probably never going to get uh i'm probably never going to get a uh, a 4k display maybe i will like 
just as they're ready to start putting out 25k displays or something like that. I'm I'm usually a cycle behind on almost everything except for my computer where I tend to uh, I tend to purchase the the standard that's coming out. So I tend to wait until like for example, um uh a couple times ago, I built a computer just when they were getting ready to go from DDR2 to DDR3 RAM. Okay. So that I could, you know, have something that was at least in the same generation. Uh, so, so yeah. Anyway, uh, I just, I tend to focus my time, money, and energy into making sure that I have a desktop computer that runs all the programs I could need and games well. Fair enough. But... I don't really, I'm not really PC Master Race because of any sort of especially great graphics. That's just not me. Okay, fair enough. Well, good answer. Now, we have a couple other games that are coming out this week. Uh, Next one, we got Hidden Agenda for PlayStation 4. Also comes out October 24th. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, October 27th, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Have you ever been an Assassin's Creed guy, Mac? You ever tried not really. it? Nah. Um, me neither. No, not really. I played, dude, the only one I ever made it through was the first one, and it turned me off to the series. Way too repetitive. Great idea, great concept, but just way too repetitive. Um, what else we got? We got, oh, of course, we got Super Mario Odyssey coming out October 27th for the Nintendo Switch. New 3D Mario game that we've all been waiting for. And Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, October 27th for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So, solid week of games. Also, just some other notable ones. Just Dance 2018 is coming out. There's a game coming out called This Is The Police uh, for the Nintendo Switch. No idea what it is or what it's about. Um, there's another one called Yomawari Midnight Shadows. I don't know about that game either. PS4, PC, PS Vita. Uh, so, guys, if you're looking for some games to play, solid week. Although, Black Friday is not far, so you might want to wait till then. Uh, if, if none of these games are games you're really, really into. Uh, okay, let's do let's do one more news story and then we'll move along. Uh, this next one is also about the Nintendo Switch. It's on Game Informer. It says, as Switch fans continue to search through last week's 4.0 update for the system, the first major firmware update since its release in March, new discoveries keep being made in the absence of official notes from Nintendo. One feature discovered by Game Explain was the Switch's ability to recognize the GameCube controller via the previously Smash Bros. exclusive GameCube adapter on the Wii U as a functioning Switch controller. I'm just going to summarize this. Bottom line, (laughs) you can use your GameCube controller on your Nintendo Switch now, and we don't know if Nintendo meant for this to happen. Uh, The only time when it's a problem is when you want to use the ZL or ZR buttons or the plus or minus as they do not exist on the GameCube controller. So, Mac, general gaming question for you, my friend. Favorite controller of all time? If you had to pick one, not two, not three, but just one controller, which um, one would you pick? Probably the PlayStation 1 controller. Okay. Um, and I think, I mean, I guess the PlayStation, PlayStation 1, or sorry, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, and PlayStation 3 controllers are all roughly identical. I don't know as anything has really changed between them with the exception of the PlayStation 3 controller slash, uh, yeah, the PlayStation 3 controller had a Bluetooth connection. Um, I believe that PS4 has that, like, touchpad in the in the center of it, right, Mr. Nice Guy? The which one, the PS? 
the PS4 Four? controller? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Okay. But the PS1, 2, and 3 controllers were all roughly identical. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was yeah. going to point that out, but you, you're right, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I think the PS1 through PS3 controller is kind of my favorite. Okay, fair enough. Now, I and I realized I actually have one more news story, but I'll give my favorite controller as well. I would probably go with the Xbox 360, and the reason is for versatility. Um, if you're playing an emulator uh, or, or doing something with emulation, the Xbox 360 controller can pretty much be used on any emulator, if that makes sense. So what my point is, you can do your old school Nintendo NES games, you could do your Nintendo 64 games all the way up through current stuff because it has enough buttons and they're configured in a way that you can map the keys to work with any of those old school games. Uh, So that's the one I'd go with. Now, this really is the last news story of the day. This is on GameSpot.com, and it's about Metal Gear Solid. It says, Things have been very quiet on the Metal Gear front with little word on the status of Metal Gear Survive in recent months. That will change very soon, as Konami has teased that some kind of news will finally arrive this week. In a message posted on Metal Gear's official Twitter account, Konami simply states, quote, Announcement coming today. Stay tuned, unquote. There's no specific time or clue as to what to expect. We only know to look for whatever it is tomorrow on October 25th. The tweet was accompanied by the image below, something that says Metal Gear Survive. Uh, Big deal about this game takes place after the the events of Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes, where you have to deal with some zombies. Uh, And also, this is the first game since Kojima has left Konami. So, Mac, I have one question for you, and then we are really done with the news. Obviously, I'm not a Metal Gear guy, I'm more of a Splinter Cell guy, but obviously Hideo Kojima played a big role in uh, in creating this franchise and creating this series and building it up, and now he's gone. So just asking this question about games in general, does personnel really make a difference in the quality of the game, or is it all kind of artificial? So in other words, people really think that, that Kojima being gone is going to mean that the next game is not that good. My opinion is that I don't think he really made that much of a difference, but because he's such a well-known figure that people think that, that his influence mattered. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What I'm that trying to say? What are, what are your thoughts on this? Honestly, I just have to kind of wait and see. Clearly, one person's influence cannot make a game good just by virtue of that, so you'd be, so I'd be inclined to say that one's person, one person's presence can't break a game. And I'm trying um, to think. I'm trying to think of a, a series yeah. that you play that maybe we could could substitute and ask the question about, like Left for Dead. But there's not really one person who's associated with Left for Dead, so it's hard. You know what I mean? Or or mm-hmm. Mega Man. Like who is there one person who's associated with the Mega Man franchise that if they left, you'd be worried about the outcome of a new game being made? Well, yeah, and he did leave, and then he tried to make Mighty Number no. Nine, exactly. and uh, that didn't work. So, I mean, I feel like I'm like, well, one person do- isn't responsible for making the game all by their lonesome. Um, like many projects, it's a huge collaboration, so not one person can really can really impact it that much. So I- I- I'm not too worried myself. I'm just glad that there's actually another Metal Gear. You know what I mean? The the joke is that uh, all Konami will do is those gambling Plinko machines or or whatever they are, um, Pacino. <laughs> that's it, or, or something like that. So. Um, nice that there's still a game being made. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, guys, that has been our gaming news for the week. Mac, I'll turn it over to you, man. All right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about some gaming history. Um, I've got uh, a couple of games that uh, uh, that that I want to throw out there because they came out in years past in just this past week. Some of them may be a little bit influential. Maybe nobody cared about these games but me. But they're definitely worth taking a minute to uh, to look at. So the first one, and uh, this one of the three is the most important to me, and that is Vector Man. Fantastic uh, game. Yes, a game for the Sega Genesis. Uh, it was released in 1995. I really, really enjoyed that game. Um, so obviously I do still have the game, and I do have a Sega Genesis, and I can play the game um, on my television, but when I play it now as an adult, it hasn't aged quite as well. Right. Um, right. But I, I just remember, I remember banging my head against the wall over and over again trying to play Vector Man, um, and finally beating it. Uh, and there are these little bits and pieces of games that, when I think, I have these fond, fuzzy feelings about uh, uh, about his his little thing where he puts his his fingers up and he's just like yeah and then the middle ball of his chest falls out and so he grabs it and pushes it back in just these uh, I, I think more than anything else what I've got these fond memories about are the animations of the character in just the idle time what vector man would do but uh, uh, but for Did various you... reasons I've I've thought about it the game a lot over the years and it's just been very fond for me even if it hasn't aged quite as well as some other franchises. You ever play Splosion Man? I can't say as I have. Okay, it has some similarities, and so that's what I was wondering. Animations while you're standing still, things like that. But yeah, man, Vector Man, fantastic game. Yeah, I did really enjoy it. But of course, I mean, it's a side-scroller, except for when it's not. Um, it's a platformer, except for when it's not. Uh, but for the most part, it's a side-scrolling platformer where you shoot things. So uh, definitely uh, definitely Mega Man-ish. But yeah, the nostalgia factor for this game is super high. Um, those of you who've listened to this uh, podcast for a while know that uh, that we went, in my family, went straight from the original Nintendo straight to the Sega Genesis, and I had to purchase that Sega Genesis from a yard sale with my own hard-earned monies. Uh, because for whatever reason, because maybe they're crazy, nobody else in my family was as big on video gaming as I was. So uh, so I was doing all the buying. And uh, Vector Man was one of the first games that I had for it, so it kind of just sticks out to me as being as being just typical of that moment in time in my life you're getting but, a lot uh, of love in the chat for it too clearly it holds <laughs> a special place for a lot of people who watch the stream so yeah um so uh we will move on though uh we will move forward to Mega Man legends 2 which was released in 2000 in the year 2000 on the ps1 um, now, I can't mention Mega Man Legends 2 without mentioning, however briefly, the failed follow-up of uh, Mega Man Legends 3. We will not go into that, though there are some talk things about that could that. certainly be said, and maybe we'll hit it in a, uh, in a future episode. But, uh, but Mega Man Legends 2 came out, a uh, successor to Mega Man Legends 1, which was really the series that took Mega Man into 3D. 
Um, so, you know, for what Mega Man, or sorry, for what uh, uh, Mario 64 did for the Mario franchise, uh, Mega Man Legends attempted to do for Mega Man, and all in all did a pretty reasonable job considering the, uh, the technology constraints of the time. But the last one, the third one, is actually a game that uh, that we're breaking a little bit from the usual in mentioning it because it was not, it was never released in the U.S. That is Mega Man Wily Wars. Now, uh, this was a release for the Sega Genesis, but only outside of the U.S. Uh, and in it, you it had Mega Man's one, two, and three. As well as uh, as well as some redone sort of uh, sort of wily tower um, end boss bit, but it was uh, it was definitely a very cool concept, even if the implementation of it was not the best. There was quite a bit of issue with slowdown. Um, among other things, it was lagtacular. This I know because I've had the opportunity to play it now that I've got a got the chance. And uh, you, well, you basically have to get a ROM hack of it in order to make it tolerably playable on your uh, on your console. So, so yeah, it wasn't without its its. Is this lacks, due to bugs but, or due to translation, or what's the reason that you need the ROM uh, hack? I didn't catch. You that. know, I'm no I'm no uh, I'm no expert, but just the way that the game was coded, the slowdown is intense. It's okay, insane. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't say why. Sprite limitations, maybe. Uh, some other things. Uh, I, I couldn't say for certain. But what I do know is that it's it's crazy. But, uh, but yeah, you can get a, get a ROM hack of it that actually uh, very much uh, improves that. But it was cool to have Mega Man's 1, 2, and 3 released, as well as some new content for it as well. So it does hold a special place in my heart. And there we go. There we go. There's your gaming history. Fantastic. Uh, well, I say we move on to our next segment. Uh, it's one of my favorite segments of the show. Every segment is my favorite. I love everything we do here. It's the perfect podcast. Uh, but this segment is called The Topic of the Week, where we talk about a topic once a week, which is how often we do the podcast. And uh, we try to talk about something that's relevant to gaming, you know, specifically to this date and time. And this one deals with multiplayer. So I'm going to read the article. This is on Game Rant. Uh, and yeah, let's talk about it. So it says, It's almost a given that any major first-person shooter released today will have an array of online multiplayer modes. In fact, even series that were once primarily single-player experiences are now expected to offer competitive play. However, that isn't the case when it comes to Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. From the outset, developer Machine Games knew that it wanted to produce a memorable campaign first and foremost. As a result, the new Colossus will not feature any multiplayer modes of any kind. The only way we can create these super immersive narrative experience this is a quote. It says the only way we can create these super immersive narrative experiences is if we can solely focus on the single player, said narrative designer Tommy Torsden Bjork in an interview with GameIndustry.biz. Quote, having a multiplayer component in the work process would just dilute it all. That's the danger if you try to do two things at once. Bjork goes on to note that the team doesn't actually consider its games to be shooters, instead preferring to have them categorized in the action-adventure genre. 
This certainly holds true with the emphasis on setting and story, as well as some of its more unusual gameplay sequences. Um, it goes on to say it's also indicative of publisher Bethesda's ethos. The company was also responsible for the release of Dishonored 2, Death of Outsider, and The Evil Within 2 this year. Both of those titles were big critical hits that put the focus on single-player action rather than multiplayer, although admittedly both underperformed in terms of sales. So, Mac, let's talk about online multiplayer for a minute, and I know you're not a competitive multiplayer guy, but I do know that you're a co-op guy. So I have uh, kind of a two-parter for you. The first one is, and you can think about this, uh, but it's the best game you have played that had both modes. So, and I know that's kind of a tough question, so I can give my answer if you need to think about it. But I want to get the, the opinions of the people in the chat on this as well. Uh, because I, I don't buy into this argument that you have to do one or the other. And that's my real question for you is, do developers have to pick and choose between doing a single player or doing a multiplayer game? Or can they do both successfully without sacrificing quality? And you don't have to use competitive multiplayer as an example. You can use co-op if that's, if that's what you want to think about. Honestly, I think it depends. The fact of the matter is, is that every single, uh, every single thing in life uh, incurs trade-offs, right? So, if you don't have unlimited time or resources in the development of a game, which means no game does, of course, right? Then you have to pick and choose what you're able to focus on. So, I, I totally understand saying hey we want to make something very good single player um we're not going to put a lot of effort into designing a multiplayer experience for that reason um i kind of feel like uh like some of the games that i am familiar with that are very popular for their online multiplayer competitive or otherwise like the uh call of modern medals of honor um, happen to be uh, <laughs> happen to be games where the uh, uh, where I feel like the multiplayer takes very much more of the took very much more of the time and the effort and the stories are all fairly bland but that's kind of an outside observer's perspective someone who no doesn't you're really you're play right them. you're right I, I'm right okay okay yeah. good good I just you know. But it seems like the the single-player campaigns have very little of interest. There was that one airport level, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, which uh, which certainly was interesting. But, uh, but other than that, it feels like the single-player stories usually suffer because they kind of know what they're trying to put out, and they're trying to put out a multiplayer experience. Whereas, I mean, I think this is pretty reasonable to be like, hey... We're doing single-player narrative first and foremost. If that means this suffers or is non-existent, so be it. So let's, let's and then, perfect answer, and then let's think about what game you think maybe did it well, if you can think of one, that had more than one mode. A single-player mode and a co-op mode, or a single-player mode and a competitive, while I give my thoughts. So here's my thing. I disagree with the person in this article who's saying that you have to have one or the other. Prime example, and this is almost too easy of an answer, but The Last of Us, right? The Last of Us had one of the best single-player experiences of all time. It was like playing a movie. It was amazing. It was fantastic. Um, if a game could ever make you feel emotion, could ever evoke emotion, 
and help you to fall in love with the characters, you know, and join them on their journey. And you can't really understand this if you're not a gamer, which if you're listening to this, you probably are. Uh, but The Last of Us did it, right? Uh, they had a fantastic single player, and the multiplayer was fantastic as well. Now, granted, this was from Naughty Dog, one of the best gaming developers in the business, uh, and they had success doing that with Uncharted as well in the past, so they're experienced. Um, but, I mean, that's a prime example that you can do both. Now, I'll give some examples that also contradict what he said. Think about some games that are uh, multiplayer only, right? Evolve. <laughs> Um, couldn't get the job done, eventually went free to play very, very quickly, terrible sales, and who made it? It was made by former Left 4 Dead developers who went off to do their own studio, so it wasn't like it was some new kids on the block working on that game, they just didn't do a good job with it, it just wasn't appealing to people. So I think it can go both ways, I could give more examples, but uh, I, th I think I'll stop there. And then we'll read some of your comments in the chat on this because I think that you guys have some good insights. Mac, were you able to think of a game? Uh, and that's okay if you can't. No, I, unfortunately I kind of... not. I mean, I mean, Left 4 Dead, uh, Le the Left 4 Dead series is a game that I would say has fantastic multiplayer and was built for multiplayer. Um, uh, but something that I really loved the single player and it worked out. I mean, Mr. Nice Guy. I mean, I'm at the disadvantage. You see, back in my day, you young whippersnapper. Um, we could only dream of things. The Sega Channel was was a uh, was merely rumored on people's lips. You, I mean, you merely adopted video games. I was born in the days when they were entirely single player. Are None you of this to me? online stuff. That's I'm a right. Bit I'm talking older to than you. you. I'm a little bit older than you, Mac. Yeah, <laughs> like two days. Who cares? <laughs> and the fact that you're using words like whippersnapper means that you are kind of old actually get off of my lawn okay <laughs> <laughs> well this, usually we don't actually hop in the chat for this but there's some really good comments and insights in here so someone says i'll buy wolfenstein 2 on day one not only because i like the previous games but it didn't shoehorn ridiculous dlc loot boxes and an unnecessary multiplayer so fair enough uh someone says look at dead space 2 visceral forced unnecessary and terrible multiplayer into it but the single player campaign was still excellent fair enough also, there was, and this is me talking now, there was a Batman game that had tried to shoehorn some multiplayer in it, and it was like 1 versus 3 versus 2 multiplayer. I can't even remember what they were trying to accomplish, but it was absolutely terrible. So there are examples of multiplayer sucking when the single player is good. Uh, someone also says, but look at Assassin's Creed. You can argue that the single player started declining when they forced that weird crowd stealth multiplayer starting with Brotherhood. Um, someone says StarCraft 2 and every other Blizzard strategy game, wonderful single and multiplayer. Uh, and someone else says StarCraft 2 co-op missions are awesome. So mixed opinions. Um, I think companies can do both, but I think that some companies can't do just one. Uh, and I think we'll leave it at that. That's our topic of the week. Mac, I'll turn it over to you, man. All right. So this next segment is about crowdfunded games and crowdfunding in general. We call it Kick or Kickstart, where we go ahead, we present a uh, crowdfunding campaign... We discuss some of the virtues, some of the vices, and then at the end, we ask for your input, whether or not you think this should be kicked out of here, or whether it should be kick-started, and kick it's started. worthy of our time. So, we'll just, uh, with that being issued, remember, if you are on your commute listening to this podcast, just yell it out. Nobody on the bus will care, and we will tally these later. 
for determining. So we'll know if you didn't. So I have two Kickstarters. The first one, I'm just going to put this here for your consideration. It's a, uh, it's a girls make games uh, project. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it aside from that uh, girls makes games is a um, is a international summer camp type thing where uh, where girls you know who are interested in coding or interested in game making uh, go to this summer camp and learn how to make games and this particular uh, game that they're doing is uh, find me is a side-scrolling game kind of inspired by Limbo. I was going to say, it looks like Limbo. Yeah, about a about a shadow that's lost and is trying to find its uh, uh, find its owner um, again. So uh, I think it's it's definitely cool looking. But I think more than anything else, um, there are these four girls. And, and the, the preview is just this, uh, like, 12-minute long thing where they're presenting their, um, uh, where they're presenting their, uh, their thing. They're presenting their, uh, 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 what they've been working on over the summer camp. And uh, I'm like, you know what? I don't even care if it gets made. Uh, you, you know, I, I just feel like you deserve the, what, it's like five five bucks or so for the digital copy you you girls deserve that five bucks just for being awesome i'll let you watch the thing so uh so that you can go from there but uh but i i definitely feel like it now we've got a second a second one to go on to unless you had something to say about that but uh but this one i've just thrown out there because you know uh, i think you know we should all here's, do it. here's my thing i think anytime mm-hmm. that someone because it says their age is on here Ages mm-hmm. nine to thirteen can put something this awesome together. Who am I to criticize? So this is fantastic. I hope that they succeed. That's what I'm mm-hmm. going to say about it. So on to the next one. Uh, this next one is called uh, the Adventure Forge, and it's a little bit different than our usual. I've gone ahead and put a link into the chat uh, for that. <clears throat> so the Adventure Forge is a basically 3D map maker for you to make a uh, for you to make a map, a tabletop map. So it's primarily for things like Dungeons and Dragons, GURPS, um, those are the big ones. There are other tabletop RPGs, I'm sure. I just don't care about them. Uh, but uh, the idea is that the Adventure Forge is for you to, uh, in the Unreal 4 engine, build maps, hex or grid maps, be able to add terrain, uh, monsters, characters, so on and so forth, and uh, even roll dice, and includes a free client for you to play with other people. Uh, so, uh, so uh, your buy-in price to get the copy of the game is $25 to get a copy of this Adventure Forge. Um, the person who's making it is looking for... $25,000 in order to get this thing uh, get this thing done. It has 23 days to go left in its uh, in its Kickstarter and there are some things that look cool about it. However, however, I will just throw out there that uh, that my biggest concern about this is that I feel like it's trying to do too much. Um, if this were a thing where we were, because, uh, because it wants to be an all-in-one thing, 
where you play your tabletop RPG through this game with your friends, where you uh, have the characters and move the 3D miniatures around in the virtual space with your friends, where you roll the dice, where you customize the characters, even put in the character sheets because they have character sheets in there. Um, and I can understand somebody with a passion as this as this particular group of people clearly have for tabletop RPGs of wanting to provide something that's a one-stop shop, if you will. However, I feel like in a lot of ways, as cool as this is and as impressive as some of the aspects of it are that are being, you know, made in the Unreal Four and Unreal Engine 4, that we have other things that'll do the trick. Like, for example, um, something that's a free option that does almost all of this with the exception of the 3D component. You can put miniatures, move them around, dynamic lighting and shadows... Uh, grid maps, hex maps, you know, the whole nine yards is um, is roll 20. And you can do character sheets, you can do, uh, you can do basically the whole tabletop uh, thing with the exception of the 3D component, and it's free. And so for me, I've been spoiled, and I feel like as cool as this is, I don't know as I would pay $25 for the addition of the 3D, because... Tabletopping has never been about having a 3D thing. It's been, it's up here. It's in the head. It's the descriptions are being read. I don't so much see the town as the town is described to me and I construct it in my head. And maybe that sounds weird, but tabletop RPGs, in my opinion, are supposed to straddle this uh, this divide between video games and uh, and books, video games, and literature. They're supposed to be a type of interactive literature, if you will. And so uh, I, I applaud uh, Boilerplate Studios. Um, I, I applaud their their uh, excitement and their desire to put out a good uh, put out an all in one. But I feel like it strays too much from what makes tabletop RPGs different and unique. So uh, so I'm just going to throw out there already. Even though there's no playable demo, which we know is a big deal for me, but I've got to say kick because I think it's just, it's wrong-headed. Okay. And I've got to say kick because there's actually a Kickstarter I want to share real quick, so I, I oh, want us mm-hmm. to move on. That's why go I Go for it. Kick. Three Kickstarters in one go. I apologize, Mr. Nice Guy. Please, the floor is yours. Now, full, I didn't mean to cut you off, though. We want to take votes in the chat on these ones that you did, right? So we should do that before I get started. Okay. So viewers, sure. um, so uh, what, what was the the, the one uh, the ones with the girls? Find me. What? Uh, find me is the name of the uh, is the name of the one done by the girls. And while people are voting, I'm gonna link this awesome, awesome. It's actually full disclosure. It's an Indiegogo. Um, and this thing looks, I'm just going to give my biased opinion. This thing looks awesome. Um, I put the link in the chat. You guys can check this out. It's called the Ojo. Um, it's a, a it's a projector for the Nintendo Switch. So, and you can watch the video to get more detail. But effectively, it's a docking projector where you put your Nintendo Switch into the dock. Since your Switch is portable. And then it projects the game from the Nintendo Switch screen onto a wall 
does it in 30 inches up to 120 inches, has a four hour battery life. So you can truly, truly take your Nintendo Switch on the go, play it anywhere that there's a wall, go camping, have multiplayer games with your friends, um, on the side of a tent or, or wherever. I, I mean, I just think that this is fantastic. Um, $269 uh, early bird pricing, which is 27% off. Uh, they already have reached their goal of $30,000, and I believe it's only been up for about a day. Uh, I, I mean, this you have to really watch the video for it to, to do justice, but I mean, you think about what the Nintendo Switch is intended for. It's intended to be portable. Uh, the screen, however, is really not big enough for you to play games like Mario Kart, games like Splatoon with your friends. Um, so, I mean, this this solves that problem without you having to constantly have a TV. So, I think this is fantastic, and I would love to get Mac's opinion and the opinion of people in the chat on this. Um, I actually quite like it. Um, I'm not sure about, well, maybe the price isn't so bad. I mean, it it does have this little image where it uh, where it lines up what it would cost for a portable projector, power bank, dongle, and and speaker, in order to connect all of this stuff together. And it and it does list it as being an easy two hundred dollars more than what uh, than what they're asking for this. Um, I don't know. I uh, I mean maybe. I'd have to look a little bit more into it, but it does certainly seem to be a pretty good call considering uh, considering those features and what a Switch is supposed to be. I mean, hey, I, I certainly think that would be pretty cool. I mean, now I don't have a Switch, so it's kind of a moot point for me, but, uh, but for people like you, Mr. Nice Guy, who have one, a 20,000 milliamp hour battery... Um, I could definitely see it being, being probably a slam dunk. And it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes we need to unplug, I think. And so for that reason and that reason alone, <laughs> we never need to unplug. Sometimes we do Mac for that reason. And that reason alone, I would not buy one of these. Also, I do think it is overpriced. I think this should be about a hundred to one fifty. Um, mm. When you consider the fact that the Switch itself costs about $300, to spend another $300 on something that is an accessory seems a little bit much to ask. I mean, that's the same price as the console, so come on. But I think it's a great, great idea um, to truly make your Switch portable. So uh, we'll get some thoughts in the chat on that, and then I say, uh, Mac, did you have other stuff you wanted to do as far as kick Kickstarter stuff? No, that was it. Right. And now, now we need to weigh in on what we think about Mr. Nice Guy's presentation. Um, well, Mr. Nice Guy, I have to say, uh, it doesn't have a playable demo, which, um, you know, is usually kind of a deal breaker for me. No, no, seriously, <laughs> if I had... If, if I had a Nintendo Switch, I would, uh, I would seriously consider this. It does seem like a good call. Yeah, it seems cool. It's expensive, but it seems cool. Someone brings up the point that you can't use it in sunlight, which actually is a really big problem because you might want to play it during the day. Use your projector during the day. Although I'll say this, Elrin, most projectors don't work in sunlight, period. So, so I mean, that's that's part of the issue, too. But anyway, Max, should we keep it moving and get, get on to our next segment? Absolutely. All right, guys, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. It's time for the Dummy of the Week. 
where we talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb, and then make fun of them. And we have a really, really brief one today. Um, just some people went to Walmart and stole some stuff. That's that's what happened this week. Uh, this is on CBC.com. It says, Brockville police say that two people have been arrested after they allegedly stole video games from a local Walmart. On Wednesday, security in the Brockville, Ontario store observed a 27-year-old man and his 31-year-old girlfriend taking a, quote, large quantity of games from the electronics section and leaving the store without paying, Brockville police said. Why does it put large quantity in quotes? And not just tell us how many games they stole. Or how much money they stole. Just tell us. Don't don't make us guess. Police said the couple returned to the same Walmart store later that day and attempted to steal more games. I don't know if I need to point out why that's dumb. There's You know how Walmart is a behemoth, right? You probably mm-hmm. could have driven five miles away and gone to a different Walmart and done the same thing. Instead, they went back to the same one and said, hey, we got away with it the first time. Let's just go exactly back to the same place. There's also, something to be said about consistency. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and actually, isn't the isn't this doesn't the phrase say insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting different results or something like that? Yeah, something like so that. So technically, they did the same thing twice and expected the same results. So we can conclude that they're not insane. Uh, doesn't mean they're not stupid. Uh, but they are not insane. Police said they returned, blah, blah, blah. According to police, security recognized the couple, apprehended them, and handed them over. Uh, The crazy thing is these people were out of jail on bail when they did this. So apparently they missed the free meals and the the warm warm, uh, cribs and the public toilets, uh, and they wanted to go back, back. Simple as that. That's our Dummy of the Week this week. All right. Well, with that underway, um, you know, we've run a little bit long today, so I'm going to probably save what I was going to do for legalese. You want to save time. it? Um, well, so the thing of it was, Mr. Nice Guy, is that there wasn't really a specific legalese that I had planned for this evening. Ah. Strangely enough, there was no, uh, there was no particularly noteworthy um, lawsuits or copyright disputes that were going on right now. It's been a pretty quiet week. Okay. But I was going to do something kind of similar um, as I've done in, in past times where I was going to talk about a more general legal issue. Uh, but seeing as how we are getting close to end time and, uh, and I know Mrs. The Mac uh, is going to need me soon, I figure we'll just skip over it this time Perfect. and uh, we'll hit it uh, double time next time around. So that leaves us into our last and final bit, which is where we talk a little bit about what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And Mr. Nice Guy, I have to say that even though I've only made it through a small section of the first season of uh, Madam Secretary, I am loving it. It's good. And I owe that all to you and your kind recommendation. And this is what I have to say about, most surprisingly, what I really, really like about Madam Secretary is the uh, is the uh, is the stuff that goes on in her family? Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, the the stuff seems strange. For those of you who don't know, I'll just give you uh, something that you would find out in the very first episode. The husband is an ethics and theology professor, and she is ex CIA, and uh, uh, and is and at the beginning uh, is asked to be the Secretary of State, or, uh, yeah, the Secretary of State, uh, because the previous Secretary of State has died. 
So it's one of those things where it's a very interesting pair, but there are so many fun conversations that they have that you're just like, this is so, I mean, it's not big stuff like, you know, not world stopping things a lot of the times, but the way that they interact with their family and that and it just seems really, it's really enjoyable and feels, feels fun. Uh, but it all feels good, and Taya Leone does a fantastic job. So, uh, so I've been watching Madam Secretary lately. Fantastic. Uh, and, and as you guys already know, many of you are doing this. Let us know in the chat what you have been watching and what you have been playing, because we're always looking for more nerdy stuff to fill our brains with. Um, I have been watching Madam Secretary as well, but I've also been really, really getting into Arrow. I'm in the last season of Arrow. Um, Walking Dead just started again, and I have not gotten to watch the new episode, but I might do that tonight. The Gifted, the new Marvel show, fantastic, been watching that. And I'm still watching Arcade Impossible on YouTube. Um, it's such a good series if you're into old school games. I recommend it to everyone who likes old arcade games and the quest to collect them. Um, and then as far as what I've been playing, I've really, really been getting down on the retro pie a lot. Uh, doing Robotron, which is a fantastic old game, um, like the epitome of the old arcade game, I would say. Uh, Destiny 2, and what else have I been playing? That's pretty much it. I didn't get as much gaming in as I wanted to, uh, although we're having a man night at my house this week, Mac, if you want to fly out. We're going to play a little Absolutely. Halo. Play a little Halo on the projector. Thursday night, you're welcome. We have extra room. You could sleep here. Um, and that's it for me. Mac, you didn't say what you've been playing, though. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Dead Cells, um, and that's basically it. I've just, I've been super busy since last time, Mr. Nice Guy, so I haven't played all that much, but just played some Dead Cells. Fantastic. Well, Mac, do you want to read what the people have been playing, and then I say we get out of here and go hang with our respective wives? (laughs) I think so. So we've got some Blade Runner 2049, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Lego Batman, um uh let's see watching the grand tour that's the uh that's um uh, jeremy clarkson james may and richard hammond after they moved away from top gear and went over to amazon to do to do their thing um let's see uh let's see we've got um hmm. yeah watching yu yu hakusho uh travelers and uh, as far as what people are playing, we've got things like A Hat in Time, great game, uh, Stardew Valley. I did watch somebody play Hat in Time. Um, let's see, Gears of War 4, Forza, Batman Return to Arkham, Rise of the Tomb Raider. And, uh, and yeah, that seems to be about the long and the short of it. But, uh, but great games. We always like to hear what you guys are playing. It sometimes helps us pick out what we need to do next. So thanks for giving us those suggestions. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this has been episode number 47 of Two Nerds in a Pod. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy. My co-host Maxion has been here as well. And you've been here. You're the third nerd in the nerd trio. And I just made that up. Guys and girls, thank you so much for tuning in. You guys really are the best viewers on Twitch. Check us out next week. Check us out on iTunes. Same bat place. Same bat time. Same bat rhymes. We'll see you next time. Keep it nerdy. Deuces.